For you've been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. Don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. That's our theme verse from Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 for this week's Brookwood Church Sunday Message Podcast. Family Pastor J.C. Thompson wraps up our mini-series, Freedom, with this week's message, Freedom to Serve. If you want to watch the video of this week's message, listen to worship, or search through our message archives, visit brookwoodchurch.org watch or download the Brookwood Church app. We pray this message encourages you and your walk with Christ. Good morning. You know, I'm thankful for Brantley and, and his team putting that together. One, because unlike, uh, yes, you can clap for that. One, because unlike the guy who penned that song, Bob Dylan, you could understand the words. Uh, and two, I, I, think, I think there's a lot of truth in that song that we must understand. You know, we talked about last week, oh, hello, my name's JC, I'm the family pastor here. Uh, <laughs> we talked about last week what it means to be free from sin. And we ended last week talking about being free from sin's parenting. It is crucial, it is important, it is primary for all of us to understand we are serving the Lord or we are serving the enemy. There is no other option. We are either serving the Lord or we are serving the enemy. Now, I told you last week, you know, you get months to prepare and then the world happens continually. So you go, oh, I got plenty of time to prepare. And then this week happens and you go, goodness gracious, what in the world? What am I supposed to say? I, you know, I, I think a lot about this. You know, I'm a, I'm a young man. To, to some of you, you go, no, you're an old man. You know, if I'm dealing with my kids or teenagers, they're going, no, you're old. Um, but I'm in my mid-30s. And as I get up here to, to preach today the message, the Word of God, uh, about my life, I, I want to, to live that life that, that Paul talks about in 1 Thessalonians 4. I, I desire to live and lead a quiet life. I, I want to come up here and teach God's Word. I want to come up here and point people to Christ. I don't want to be uh, a doctor of a pandemic. I don't want to be a political spokesman. That is not who God has called me to be. But he's called me to be someone who shares with you the word of God. And the word of God speaks to everything in our life. And so I just pray, I, I, I want to do this exercise because I think it's important. We do this stuff sometimes in student ministry and in children's ministry, but uh, sometimes as adults, you kind of just, you know, you go with the flow, you want your, your three points, you want your, you know, three songs, prayer, you know, showcase song, and then, you know, go. You want your rhythm, your routine, don't get me out of that, okay? But I, I just want to do this this morning because I think it's important. I want you for just a moment, take out your phone. If you brought your outline with you, you could take that out, get something to write down with. And I just want you to write down, what does God need to say to me today in order to encourage me? 
What does God need to say to me today in order to encourage? I just want you to write that down because sometimes we forget. When we come into a room, when we come into a conversation, we bring something to the table. You didn't come in here neutral today. I didn't come in here neutral today. So I think it's good that we just start this morning understanding that we did bring something to the room today. Whether you're at home, you know, you brought something to your couch, your, your recliner. And I just want us to offer that up to the Lord and also say to him, God, if there's anything you want to say, we want to clear our ears and, and our hearts and we just want to open ourselves up to what you have to say to us today, okay? Y'all willing to do that with me today? I'll ask it again because some of y'all were quiet, okay? Are y'all willing to do that with me today? Thank you. I appreciate that. As a young man, thank you for, for showing that courtesy to me. Let's pray. God, we brought something into this room today. It could be frustration. It could be anxiety. It could be fear. It could be an attitude of, I told you so. It could be an attitude of, Look at those people. And I believe some of us brought the attitude of God, just tell me something, tell me something, anything, anything that you've got to say is worthy of my attention. But God, whatever it is, whatever we bring to the table today, we lay it at your feet. We learned last week that if we're a child of the king, you're our dad, you're a father, and we need you today. We need you to speak to our hearts and shape us into the image of your son Jesus for the glory of your kingdom. We're listening for you to speak to us. Please speak to us today. It's in the name of Christ we pray these things and all God's people said, amen. Well, thank you. Uh, we are finishing a series today uh, called Freedom. Today, uh, last week we talked about what we are freed from. We're freed from sin. We're freed from sin. We talked about the power of sin, the penalty of sin, and the parenting of sin last week and how as a child of the king, we're free. And that should cause us to be excited. It should cause us to be filled with joy and peace and love and hope as we look upon our world because we have been freed. And today we talk about the avenue of that freedom, the way in which that freedom should be lived out, and that is the freedom to serve Galatians 5.13 says it in this way, for you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Is that our aim? Do we wake up with the expectation that God will show us someone that we can serve sacrificially each and every day? Do we come to this building thinking, God, what is it that you want me to do? Who can I share the love of Christ with? How can I sing the beautiful song that you've put into my heart so that other people will join along? Or do we come to the table waiting for God to give us something that we can consume so that we can gratify 
the desires of our flesh. See, our freedom is not only for us, and it is for us. We learned last week, for freedom we've been set free, that we can be free from sin, and that is a benefit, but that freedom should result in service to one another. We are free for service to both God and the people around us. So if you got your outline, if you got your phone, if you're following along at home, maybe on your computer, uh, our outline today has got three points because uh, that's all I can remember. Um, and it just, it starts this way. My service to God glorifies him. My service to God glorifies him. Now for most of the day, we'll be in the letter of 2 Corinthians today in chapter four. And I, I wanna give a little bit of context to this before I read this verse, but Paul's in prison as he's writing this. And not only is he in prison for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, who he was confronted on by the road to Damascus, as Jesus said to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul says, who are you? It's Jesus Christ the Lord speaking to you directly. Paul? And then Paul goes on a journey to learn what it means to be a disciple of Christ and how is this, this, this guy who was raised as a Jew, the strictest of Jews, how is Jesus Christ the Messiah? What, what does this mean? What does this look like for my life? And it so radically, totally changed Paul that he shared the message with everyone. He shared it with people who were the most frustrating, rebellious people towards the things of God. He shared it with the people who thought they knew absolutely everything there was to know about God. And he shared it with people who were down and off, who thought God had no care, desire, even thought of them. And everywhere he went, he shared the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that is what put him in jail. It is not because he said it in a particular way. It is not because he had an attitude about it. It was not because he caused some problems. It was because he shared the message of Jesus Christ. That is what put him in prison. It is what caused him to get beaten. It is what caused him to be tortured. And yet, even though all those things happened to him, he continued to share the good news of Jesus because it is too good not to share no matter the consequences, Paul, who was Saul, who had been radically changed by Jesus, had to share the gospel. And he did faithfully. He fought for the gospel. He fought to make sure that no one became enslaved to things that weren't the gospel. He made sure that no one got caught up in a movement that said you need more than Jesus. No, he said you need Jesus Christ alone. And him crucified is all there is to be freed from your sins today and forever. That is what put him in jail. And he believed in that message so much that even in jail, he continued to write to people, sharing them to keep the faith, to continue to move forward, to stay faithful to the call of God on their life. And this Paul thought he was about to die as he writes these words. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 11. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus so that the life of Jesus 
will be evident in our dying bodies. Now, I think it's important just to note here, at least in my time in South Carolina, which I did not grow up, I'm not a native South Carolinian. I grew up proudly in Memphis, Tennessee. Go Tigers, Memphis Tigers. But I have not been under threat of death in my life because of Jesus. Now, that does not mean that by serving Jesus or proclaiming the gospel, I have not encountered any hardship. That's not true, I have. I've lost friends, I've lost opportunities, I've been pointed out as an example by some, but I have not encountered death. My body has not encountered harm for the sake of Christ, but Paul's did. And Paul was specifically put in jail to keep him from sharing the good news. And I'll be honest, sometimes it's why it's difficult to preach these texts. It's not because they're not true. It's just because the circumstances that we find ourselves in are very, very different. Now, we've got mission partners around the world where those circumstances are true. We've had some of our mission partners tied to trees, chained there for days at a time, people that we provide support to in our church as they train pastors and other leaders. We've had the government come down on nonprofits around the world seeking to squelch the Spirit of God as He is moving in the midst of the people. But we here in our place in South Carolina are not currently experiencing that. And so there's two things that we just have to consider. One, is it possible that we might consider that that might be a possibility someday? Absolutely. It's always a possibility. But secondly, it's not currently a reality. So we have to be asking the question, is the discipleship or the things that are being formed in us, the Christ that we are learning about, that we are sharing in, as we are diving into the Word, is our faith in a place where it could be tested even by threat of death, and we would still be faithful to Christ. I think it's important for us to consider that. And also consider there are hardships that we do currently encounter here for following Christ. I wanna give you a couple examples of that. Some examples that we've seen here. We may suffer, we may suffer physically, we may suffer relationally, our reputation may be taken into account by some folks, and we are called to die for Christ, to take up our cross, to glorify in the risen Savior. That's our call. And so here's what that looks like. You may have a young person who said to you, you know, I think God's called me to be a missionary. I think God's calling me to go overseas. And one way that we suffer for Christ and we can glorify him is when someone asks us the question, well, how are you gonna provide? How are you gonna provide for your family? What if you, what if you die? What if, you, what if these things happen to you? 
And I think there's a part of us that says we're well-meaning in asking these questions to try and make sure they count the cost of following Christ. But oftentimes we're trying to say to them, hey, don't do that. Because if you do that and follow Christ faithfully in a way that in, involves sacrificial giving and service, it's going to have to make me look differently at my life. If someone wants to get involved in foster care or adoption, we look at them and we go, well, what about your biological children? How's that going to affect them? And if there's something that happens, if there's a conflict that happens, instead of supporting and encouraging, there have been families who have said, well, you know, they probably shouldn't have got involved in that. When we feel God's Spirit leading us to make a decision, to make a change, to make a transition, and we ask, well, is that really the Spirit? Is that the wise thing to do? That sounds maybe a little too risky. Or someone shares with us something about our life that is a myth, something that's not consistent. And we look at that person and we say, you need to just mind your own business, forgetting that we're a family of God and it's our responsibility to care for one another and point out ways that may be an obstacle in our relationship to Christ. That's our service. And oftentimes we become a tool in the hands of the enemy to keep God's spirit from moving in someone's life. And it's not because of our faith in Christ that we always ask those questions. It's because of our insecurity in our relationship with him. And I thank God for people in my life who have said, JC, if this is what God is telling you to do, you run as hard as you can after him. And if something happens, we're here. We're here. God is glorified in us when we serve him. And serving him means sacrifice. But it is no sacrifice compared to the sacrifice that Christ gave on our behalf. And Paul, what he's illustrating in this letter to the Corinthian church, he's illustrating that when he is under the threat of death and he continues to serve God, God gets the glory. Paul understood better than maybe anyone else, he was serving God for God's benefit and not for his. And that did not mean that Paul didn't get something out of the deal. Because he did. But Paul knew God's glory was at stake in his service. See, sometimes we forget. We forget that God made us. And as such, we belong to him. We are not equals with God. And yet God calls us friend because of his love for us, but he is other than us. He is holy 
He is perfect and he is righteous and we are to serve him because he is the only one worthy of service. But we get into these negotiations with God and we go, well, God, you know, what's this gonna cost me if I follow you in this way? But our service to God is about God's glory first. And I think these well-meaning people, they become opposed to the glory of God. And they side with the enemy instead of with the Father. As a church, as a family of God, our service is to God first. And it should be affirmed by the people around us, absolutely. But if God has called you to do something, and it is God who is calling you to do it and not yourself, and if the people around you who may or may not be followers of Christ aren't jumping on board, you have to decide, am I gonna follow Christ? Or, my, or will I be more concerned about my name and reputation than the reputation and name of God? We cannot be fearful of someone else's criticisms of our service to God. Luke 1, 74 and 75 says this, that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. Our service should have the attitude of Christ behind it, that it is about the holiness and the righteousness of God. And it should result in the glory of God. Lifetime service to God is to be holy and righteous in the same way that Christ's life in obedience to God was holy and righteous. Are you serving God, giving to God in order to glorify yourself? Is your keyboard warrioring ways really about God's glory or you being right? Is your lack of serving glorifying God? Our service to God also generates interest in the gospel. I need to say this, and this is getting a little personal into my own story, but I just want to share this with you. I grew up, I, get, I gave my life to Christ when I was a young child. I grew up in the church. Um, and when I say I grew up in the church, like, I was here, I, you know, I was here at church. I would, have, I would have been participating in youth group. I, I remember being on a stage in third grade because uh, the Southern Baptist Church that I went to, we did Bible drill. And I remember being the only person on the stage in my church in third grade, stepping forward with my Bible. I remember missing one question on my Bible drill to make it to regional in front of everyone, all alone by myself. I remember those things. I remember being involved in the church in that way. Here's what I also remember. When I was in high school, I remember four pastors at the church I attended that stopped serving at that church because of moral issues. I say that to tell you 
the problem that we have of leaders in the church not being people who are, as the Bible describes us, leaders of the church, and we should be doing that in obedience to Christ, that's not a new problem. It's not new or different, and it will continue to always be that way, always. And as we look at our young people who are growing up in the church and we hear over and over, they're leaving the church, they're leaving the church. I think in some ways, some ways that's true. I think some young people are looking at the church and asking the question, do you really believe what you say you believe? And they're asking it of the pastors, but they're also asking it of you. They're asking you, when you read Jesus's words, do you believe them? Do you trust them to be true so much so that you will live your life based on what they say? Even if it costs you something. We all must answer that question with our lives as an affirmative, yes. Yes, I do. That does not mean that we will be perfect. It does not mean that they will always understand. But it does mean that we will say yes to the word of God and we will obey him. I will also tell you, if you're an adult in here and you've got maybe a, a child who's a middle schooler or a teenager and you feel like, you know what, they're, you know, the church is not doing right by them, I just ask you to consider maybe your child is not a follower of Jesus. How can we love them and serve them and point them to Christ who will never disappoint them? Our service to God does generate interest in the gospel. It's important for us to understand that it's not just what we say, it's also what we do and that there are implications of our new mission as children of the King to serve God. But those implications aren't only about God's glory, even though that is primary and that is first, it is also implications about the people around us. 2 Corinthians 4.12 says it this way, So we live in the face of death, but this has resulted in eternal life for you. See, Paul knew that his sacrifice wasn't only for the glory of God, it was also for the benefit of anyone who had had any interaction with Paul, who had shared the gospel with them. So I want to highlight here two groups of people that we're to serve and two types of service that we can offer to them. The first group of people that we're to serve are those who are part of the church, the family of God. As you read the scriptures, you see, especially in the New Testament, Paul writes that we should be serving the church. And that means the people in the church. We must have a particular interest in building up and encouraging the brothers and sisters in Christ. Our service to other believers is to build them up, to encourage them to good works, to right relationship with the Father, that we are to sharpen their saws, 
as they continue to serve and work for the glory of God, we're continuing to help them, to shape them, to make their service even more, make it even better, to point them even more to Christ and their dependence on him. When the church is serving one another, the interest in serving and accomplishing the work of the kingdom of God grows. When someone shows interest in us or even the work that we're doing around us, we become interested in Christ and what he is doing in those people and around them. Why is that person noticing the work that we're doing? Why does it matter when you point out to a teenager who is your children's small group leader, why does it matter when you say to them, thank you for caring for my child? I know for me, my child can be rambunctious and crazy as an eight-year-old boy. Thank you for your patience with him. Thank you that knowing that he's a pastor's kid, there's some extra expectations that you might feel or pressures that you might feel. Thank you for treating my son like he's a human being. That's encouraging to someone. And you know what happens when someone truly is serving the kingdom of God and they get encouraged? You know what they wanna do? They wanna serve God more. They wanna encourage people more. They wanna do what people have done. They wanna continue to grow. They wanna continue to give. And it's because we continue to encourage them. But we're also to serve those outside of the church. Those who are not followers of Christ and also those people who are in other churches locally. We're not to become enemies of them. We're to love them. The scriptures teach us to love those who are not a part of the family of God. Praying, asking, sharing, serving in a way that promotes in them awareness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. To point them to the goodness, the riches of the grace of God available to them. And to love them. Not to browbeat them into submission, but to love them and be truthful with them and to be honest with them. Whether they understand it as love or not, we must love them. All for the purpose of glorifying God and sharing the goodness of his kingdom. Matthew 5, 16 says it this way, in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. Our good deeds lead to praise for our father. And there are two types of service that we can offer. I am calling these organizational service and organic service. As a church, and particularly as, as the size and scale of church that we have, there are a lot of organizational needs. Now, you guys know this. Like, we, we, do, we do a lot of great things here, wonderful things. We provide for job training. We provide for missionaries around the world. We, we have people who come and, and clean these chairs, who set them up every week. We have a facility to care for. In addition to that, we have staff. We have volunteers who give their time and their efforts and their resources and their gifts to be able to give to the people, not only in our church, but in our community. And we do that week after week after week. And there's organizational things that our church needs. We need small group leaders. We, we need people who want to be mentors. We need people who staff the positions of what we have here at the church. But that's one type of service. And it's a good type of service. There's nothing to be lauded about the fact that there are things that have to get done around here. We want to run our organization as a, a financially sound church, as one who gives and is generous and 
when, when things are, are not good, we can pull back. But when things are God, we're asking, when things are good, we're asking the question, God, what do you want us to do? How can we minister? How can we serve? How can we grow the kingdom of God with what you've given to us? We need people to be able to lend their expertise that they've gained through the industry and training that they've got, but they're a follower of Christ and want to serve his church. We need that expertise here organizationally. But that's not the only way to serve. If all we do is serve this building and make it continue to go and serve the the local church organization and make it the best that we can, then we have missed out on our individual call as a disciple of Christ. You have a job, you have a neighborhood, you have a home, you have a region in which you live. You have hobbies and interests that point you to people that maybe no one else would have contact with. And the way to serve organically is to love those people, the circles that God has placed you in, and to serve them. And if you're always looking for a pastor or a church leader or a small group leader to say, hey, go here and here and here and here, and when you don't have any of those things, you go, well, what do I do now? You need to take a moment and realize God has placed so many people within your sphere of influence. And you need to ask him for guidance and clarity so that you can serve him organically. I've been able to see both of those things as our people here have chosen to serve God. We have a growing and thriving Portuguese ministry here. That was not because the pastors got together and said, you know what we need? We need a Portuguese ministry. No, it was because a family from Brazil, they had been touched by the gospel and they started to share the gospel with other people in their sphere of influence. And you know what happened? Those people started to come to church here and they all speak Portuguese. And so we got to have somebody to interpret that. We got to have somebody to give resources to those families. We've got to do that. And it's because organically those families shared the message of the gospel of the kingdom of God with their families. And our church grows. But it's not one or the other, it's both. It's why you see Paul writing about elders and deacons and the stuff that just makes me go, it's all this stuff, right? So it's the organizational stuff. That stuff matters. But it also matters who is in your influence. If you work at the grocery store, if you're an accountant, if you're somebody who runs an HOA, that's your sphere that God has placed you in. What are you doing to serve the people in that so that they may become interested in the gospel of Jesus Christ? And in our church, we've got a growing group of young adults who are becoming young parents who need guidance on marriage, on their careers, on what it means to raise children. And how do you balance all of those things? And we need somebody to share both the successes and also the failures with those young people. Our church needs your efforts there. It's a great opportunity to go out to adult discipleship and just ask, where's the church need me? But it's also a good step to ask God the question. God, you've placed me somewhere on purpose. What am I missing that you're asking me to do? It's not just about this building. It's also about this community. And I'm looking to you to say, what are you doing? All of us 
All of us should be involved in sharing the gospel, giving to organizations that share the gospel, and helping the people around us come to know Christ and to do all that he has taught them to do. But are we doing that? Where should you be devoting more time to serving? Who is God leading you to serve today? Lastly, our service to God gives appreciation to God. 2 Corinthians 4, 15 says this. Yes, even today. Oh, sorry, that's three, sorry. Chapter four. All of this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. As we serve for the glory of God, it affects the people around us. Those people in turn give their gratitude to God. And that gratitude leads to everyone showing their appreciation to God. It is a cycle We give, we share, people become interested in the gospel. They move closer towards Christ. They grow in intimacy with him. They express that growth in their relationship with him through praise, through generosity, through service. And that encourages us to continue doing the same. And each of us around this church are sharing ways that God has blessed us and how he's moving in our ministry, in our life, in our family. And encourages us. You know, I've never been in a small group where somebody said, hey, you know, I was sharing the gospel with somebody the other day and they asked me some questions and we're gonna meet for coffee again. I've never been in a small group where I thought to myself, well, that's just discouraging. It gets me revved up a little bit when I hear those things. It makes me sing a little louder when I come in here on Sunday mornings. It makes me pray with a little more fervency, asking God, if you're moving in their life, move in my life, God. How can I bring glory to the Father through my life here on earth? That is the church. And I'm afraid that if we're not careful, we will veer off course. And I'm asking you, bring your eyes to the Savior of Jesus today. Express to him how thankful you are for what he has done on your behalf and share it with somebody else. Share the goodness of God, the inheritance that God has given to you, the riches of grace that he's poured into your life that we deserve nothing from the Father. And he gave us even his own son. We will not lose heart, Paul says, when this becomes our aim. We will be able to persevere. We we will be able to read the news and not lose hope. We'll be able to look at social media and not be discouraged. We will be able to look into the eyes of our Father and realize that he is still good. And he still loves us and he still loves this world. Jesus, help us to keep our eyes on you and to not be so distracted by the wickedness in this place 
that we are not willing to look and ask, what can I give on your behalf? Psalm 50, 23 says this, the one who offers thanksgiving as his sacrifice glorifies me. To the one who orders his way rightly, I will show the salvation of God. And I don't know about you, but as I look at my two kids, I want them to see the salvation of God. I want our church, when we walk out of these doors, to be not concerned about mass, to not be concerned about politics, to not be concerned about anything but the glory of Christ and Him resurrected. He has sacrificed everything for us. Do not become distracted. And if you have, I just ask you today to repent, to put your pride to put your affiliation, to put your idolatry on the altar and to ask God forgiveness and to turn your eyes and heart towards him. He is gracious. As I was reading this week about Cain and Abel, which I'm not sure if you know the story, but God asked Cain, why are you so angry when I accepted your brother's sacrifice, but I didn't you? And God tried to reach him and he turned his heart away from God. And so he killed his brother out of jealousy, out of resentment. He became violent because of his insecurity, even though God tried to reach him. And we see even in that moment, God asking him, be honest with me about what you did. Be honest. And Cain refused. And even in the midst of his refusal, Cain said, somebody's gonna kill me for what I did. And God said, I will punish anyone who tries to kill you. I'm saying this to say to all of you in this room, be honest with your shortfallings and your sins and your rebellion to God, and he will be gracious to you. And it is time for us to plant our flag only in Christ. Nothing else but Christ. It is a wonderful thing to be invested in by God and to pour out that investment in order to be filled up again by him over and over and over again. It's why we sing, it's why we pray, it's why we can give generously, it's why we can sacrifice for others, it's why we can mentor, it's why we can share the gospel, it's why we can serve the poor, and it's why we can reconcile the relationships around us that we have messed up because of the investment of God. John Piper says it in this way, love God more than his gifts and love God more because of his gifts. How are you sharing your appreciation with God and others? Who is someone in your life that has grown your appreciation for God? And just tell them today. Just send them a text, give them a phone call, knock on their door, socially distanced, and say to them, thank you for sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with me. Thank you for serving even when maybe I was frustrated with you for doing that. Thank you for doing that. 
We are always representatives of Christ in every area in which we live. Christ saved us for service to him in his kingdom. But are you participating with him or are you opposed to that work? Because all of us have to serve somebody. Care volunteers will be down front after the service for folks who would like to pray, who would like to repent. If you are joining us online, you can click the request prayer button and someone would love to pray for you online today as well. Let's pray. And let's pray like God hears our prayers and let's give our lives to him today. God, we love you. And we thank you that even when our eyes go off course, you are there asking us to look at you. God, help us, help us, help us, help us. To dig ourselves into your word, to become involved and connected with the people around us, to share and to serve sacrificially because we're always under the awareness that that is what you did for us. And as we serve, I pray that you'll give us some fruit of our service. God, I I pray selfishly that we wouldn't be like Jeremiah, that we would see people come to know Christ, that we would see people's lives change, that we would see relationships restored, that we would see prideful people become humble people because of your Spirit's work in us and through us. And we ask you, God, We ask you, point us in the way that we can bring glory to your name. It's in the name of Christ we're able to pray these things. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you for being here. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. Our memory verse is Galatians 5.13. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. Don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Here's this week's spiritual practice. Read Galatians 5.13. Ask God to show you a way to serve someone this week. Then carry out the act of service. At Brookwood, we want to help you pursue a relationship with Jesus so that you can experience a transformed life. One way you can do this is by getting connected at Brookwood. Please email us at connections at brookwoodchurch.org or call 864-688-8326 to speak to someone on our Connections team. Thank you for listening and have a great week.